everything's screwed down and it's just like just fluorescent lights like there's only <laughs> fluorescent lights in it it's fucking disgusting you can like you can always taste the fucking like sadness and you know <laughs> lack, of, lack of accomplishment <laughs> as you go in do you know what i mean it's fucking awful Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. And I'm Dave. Nicely and... saved there, mate, by the way. That was seamless. <laughs> you just smoothly got into that. Wow. Yeah, you, thanks. That's many that. years of podcasting hosting there, man. Well done. Yeah, I just completely fell to pieces there. Uh, but this week, we continue our Danny Trejo season with another film in which his character is called Machete. Although this one it has a vastly different tone to it than the last one. Let's just say that. Uh, it's the same guy, though. It's the same guy. Is it the same guy? Yeah, Isidore uh, Machete Cortez. Yeah, he's the same guy. This is the first showing of, of Machete. Yeah. James same guy. Second, and the second one was the film Machete. Yeah, well, he uh, was in Spike It's 2 and 3, wasn't he? I'm not going to tell you because this could be a question in my quiz later on. <laughs> so... Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> right, yeah. So anyway, you, you've, you've got the point here. We're putting the 2001 film Spike It's on trial. Is it Goldfinger or is it Never Say Never Again? <laughs> Both essentially fantastic <laughs> films by the way really uh essentially <laughs> will this be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list now before we go on to the trial let's talk about our last trial which was the 2010 action comedy uh film machete dave and i both deemed that the film should be placed on the shit list did we make the right choice yes or no alex i, th- I think uh, you would have been proud of us in that like we both said that we liked the film <laughs> but we still put do? it on the shit list oh good for you guys you've god you've grown you've we both have, have really, really grown wow yeah do you how, think we made the right call day? there david you crying <laughs> mm-hmm. a little, a little. it moved me it, I, I lost about two years off my life having to do that <laughs> how you managed to do that well done guys yeah, yeah, I, I think I think we made the right call there. I think it's fair to say it's it's an enjoyable popcorn film, but it's not. Uh, it shouldn't be on the hit list, really. It's not yeah, a, no, a good film. Yeah, there's, it, it's like I say, it's a, it's a good joke. It really is, but it's yeah. an hour and a half of the same joke, and yeah. it's like, oh, it was good for a bit, but you you've stretched it a bit thin now, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> I I feel sorry to do it, but it's uh, I think we did the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Now on to this week's trial. So all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random, and and <laughs> <laughs> all of today's insults are descriptions of the top ten best spy toys for kids in the UK this Christmas, uh, Christmas of twenty twenty three, as taken from bestproductreviews.com. So acting in defence and trying to get this film placed on the hit list is me and i'm just like the rear view mirror spy glasses and the ultimate tool <laughs> uh, you said it gov <laughs> always yeah but dave he's he's, he's done himself first so yeah <laughs> yeah whatever comes next is <laughs> he always goes fairly light on himself Let, let's see what's coming and acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is Dave. And Dave is just like the Melissa and Doug secret decoder roleplay detective kit. He's a robust bit of kit that lasts a long time. I'll, I'll take that. That was actually more complimentary than I thought. Yeah, you should yeah, take yeah. That, Alex That's is going to be really bad. It's going to be awful. Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. These may or may not be their real opinions, however, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. Now, in the role of judge who has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him, is Alex. And Alex is just like the spy kit for kids. He nurtures the intellectual side of children's curiosity and teaches and encourages their learning. Oh, oh. Yeah. that was all right. 
Just in time for Christmas. Thank you, mate. <laughs> yeah, honestly, consider... one of the best presents I'll ever get. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, consider that your Christmas gift. Uh, <laughs> now, before we Dude. go on to the trial, I think that we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the wheel of impressions. Okay, so here what we do is we read out the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. And uh, this week, it has landed on Alex. So how would we like Alex to read the synopsis? Um, I knew Banderas. I was going to say Banderas is is the obvious choice, isn't it? Okay, yeah. Antonio Banderas. Banderas. I do have a degree in Spanish, so you would hope it would. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, it's pretty good. It's already good. It's yeah, already yeah. good. <laughs> Using high-tech gadgets, two kids have to save their reactivated OSS top spy parents when they're taken away by an evil high-tech enemy. You got the gravitas of Banderas in there as well. I like pretty it. Good, man. Pretty good. Pretty I, I sort of just, I did push the boots, if I'm honest. <laughs> that, that, you're out Banderasing Banderas. Pushing boots, that's how you do it. Okay, well, thank you very much for that, Alex. Uh, without further hesitation, Alex, as the judge, would you like to please kick off proceedings? Yes. So Spy Kids, you know, I saw it a very, very long time ago. Um, I was I was surprised when I knew we were going to put this on trial. I wondered I wondered about the conversation that had led to you thinking that Spy Kids, you re- some argument that you both had that you really wanted to put Spy Kids on <laughs> But I'm intrigued by it. So I want to see where we go on this. Um, okay. Defense, do you want to, I want to see why you, why you feel very strongly that Spy Kids should be on the hit list. Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I want to hear this too, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I'll give you a bit of an overview of the plot, a bit more detail, and then I'll tell you why I think it should be placed on the hit list. So Ingrid and Gregorio Cortez, played by Carlo Cugino, and as you voiced before, Antonio Banderas, are two top former spies who retired from the game years previously to start a family. Now, the Cortez kids... Carmen and Junie are inadvertently thrust into the family business of spying when their parents are called back into action and then kidnapped by Fagan Floop, an evil mastermind who's been disguising himself as a children's TV host. So Floop has been contracted by Robert Patrick's Mr. Lisp, a shady corporation figurehead, and he's basically asked them to create an army. And so far, all he's presented are the disappointing Fooglies which are basically kidnapped secret agents that have been turned into bumbling mutant creatures. One more time, sorry, Fooglies. Fooglies, yeah. Is that yeah. an important word that I'm going to need to remember? It is, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I keep okay. track of that one. Okay. <laughs> the Fooglies, not to be confu- confused with the Fugees, and the... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the, I'm sorry. Wyclef Jean is not yeah. okay. <laughs> the bumbling Wyclef Jean of <laughs> Right. <laughs> so glad you clarified. God, that would have been that would have been a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and also <laughs> the thumb thumbs, which are basically these hench henchmen made up entirely of thumbs. <laughs> I've forgotten that that was a part of it until right this second. Thank you. Okay. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> Also, thank you for me, Gav, for bringing that up. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't exactly miss it out, can I? <laughs> no, but... you can't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Floop then presents his latest offering, which is an army of robot children who are strong, speedy, and deadly. But the only thing they lack is a brain. Long story short, Gregario was part of an operation to create this AI brain, which he was supposed to destroy, but he kept hold of in case it fell into the wrong hands. So now Floop... His assistant min- minion. Sorry. I'm gonna. I'm gonna need it. Okay, go Gregorio. Who's Gregorio? Sorry. That's Antonio Banderas. Uh, Antonio Banderas. Right. Yeah. Okay. And yes, yeah. you heard right. In, when he has the option to destroy the brain, he decides no, 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 no. I'll keep it, <laughs> so See. it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Sure. Yeah. You with me? I think so. <laughs> yeah. What's wrong with this? You he are. decides to you keep are. a brain, you know, like so it doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Somebody could, mm-hmm. as we've seen in Batman Returns, somebody could collect the brain and sell a tape it back together and use it. So he decides instead the best thing to do <laughs> is to take it home and hide it and, and look look after it basically. So now you've got Floop, his assistant minion, Miss the Lisp, 
and Cort- the Cortez's double-crossing boss, Miss Gedenko, who's played by Terry Hatcher. Uh, they all want this technology, and Carmen and Junie basically learn to become spies, free their parents, and stop all the baddies. And yeah, I know it sounds a bit bonkers, I'm not going to lie, but... If you'd never heard of Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, and then I were to give you an overview, you'd think I was on an acid trip. <laughs> so let's true, true. Not, yeah, let's not discredit it completely because there of the, the bonkers sandals. There aren't thumbs don't play a big part of those roles, though. I'd, I'd say there's a degree here. I mean, there's some like, pretty batshit stuff in Star Wars. You know what I mean? There's like yeah. a, 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 a Jamaican alien. No, all right, I'll give you Jar Jar. Who's no, no. also a Jedi. Point. Point, yeah, yeah. Point. Jar Jar was never a Jedi. Come on now. Okay, well, okay. A secret, secret Jedi, maybe. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> right. Yeah, um, I, I know it sounds a bit bonkers, but put that to one side. When you hear the name Robert Rodriguez, you think gory horror or ultra-violent action, or at least you did in 2001 anyway. So it was perhaps a bit bewildering to hear that he was producing, writing, and directing a fantasy adventure film for and starring kids. But the thing is, is he does an amazing job here. It is an incredibly inventive and imaginative film that is full of energy and fantasy. And, and, and this may be a bit of an oversimplification, but it's pretty apt one, basically. It is essentially James Bond for kids. Well, the late Pierce Brosnan slash Roger Moore Bond films, the fun ones, not Oh, the- you really, you really... Dave, do you want to carry on? Because like, he's just tanked his own argument there. No, no, so no, 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 I mean... I mean- I- did you I think this is like when, he said, when he said the late Pierce Brosnan, I was like, Pierce Brosnan's not dead. Sorry, the latter Pierce Brosnan film. Did you say it's like a Roger Moore Bond film? Yeah, yeah. I I, write, I've got my pen. You want me to write down as the judge that this is like a Roger Moore Bond film? Yes. I can do it. Yeah, okay. Really? No, cool. I'm really? writing like, that yeah. down. I mean, you I'll know, be honest it, with you. Guys. While you're there, Alex, write down. This makes um, Spy Kids look like, it, it looks like Moonraker. Compared to these, <laughs> compared to these, it's it's uh, yeah. Make, make a few more down. notes about the comparative nature. But, like, of the, the thing is, is that like you know, Moonraker and the latter Roger Moore films were probably enjoyed by kids. You know, it wasn't like the Timothy Dalton or the Daniel Craig ones. They were, I think, more centered towards a younger audience. And here, like, it's got that same sort of charm. That those films did have and it you know that it, it does a very good job of capturing that fantasy that danger and the thing is is it's a fun colorful and highly entertaining film that's full of spe- spectacle and inventive gadgets as well and, and you know ultimately it's, it's it's a very fun film and it also has two main characters who are believable and relatable as bickering siblings, basically, who grow and develop throughout the film as individuals, but also as a family. It's essentially a big budget blockbuster that features real heart, thanks to a positive and loving family dynamic, unlike Fast and the Furious, uh, with well-written, prominent (laughs) and positive Latinx characters whose culture and heritage are part of their identities and not shoehorned in, like Fast and the Furious. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> all in all, it doesn't take secret intelligence to realise that this film deserves to be on their hit list. Well, I mean, he made some he made some pretty massive own goals there, but he did finish with a flourish. There was a nice flourish there. Made yeah. some good points there about Fast and Furious as well. So, uh, I, I'm going to let him off a lot of what he said about Roger Moore there. It, it, yeah. I think I sort of blacked out for a little bit there. Well... It does sound, you know, um, Robert Rodriguez, you wouldn't be expecting this. Sounds like this is left field stuff. And, you know, with everything that came on in the plot, sounds pretty left field as well. So, you know, it does seem like there's a lot of different things where, you know, could could not work. But I can also see potentially how, you know, a, a good director like, like Robert Rodriguez could pull this off. Did he pull it off, Dave? No, no, not at all, Alex. I don't believe he did. Now, I agree with you. Robert Rodriguez is... A very accomplished director. I'm a big fan of Robert Rodriguez. But, you know, I've said this before on the podcast. Sometimes people just need to stay in their lane. You know, it's like, do you want to see Ridley Scott do a rom-com? Do you really want to see that? Do you want to see... Um, no, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but, but your argument would be that, that Steven Spielberg should only do science fiction, and then you look at, like, The Colour Purple or Schindler's no, List. Oh, or... no, not at all. Steven Spielberg is quite a versatile director. I'm saying there's some people that are known for a certain thing. It's like Tarantino. Rodriguez and Tarantino are good friends. They have very similar uh, ideas on cinema. I'd say their films could be intertwined. 
quite well um and they have worked together on a few films would you want tarantino to make a kids film yes would you I trust, actually would you trust tarantino <laughs> you know, to make a kids days, film i don't want tarantino to make any films but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that that kind of him is my point you know as much as i like robert rodriguez he is he has gone out of his lane and he is like rumbling on down the down the hard shoulder at this point um and taking out all any pedestrians and cars in his way i uh, i'm not sure this was a good move for him I, imaginative sure i i will give a, a degree of imagination to robert Rodriguez on this one but like gav says it is very much a james bond film there's only so much imagination going on here he's not done anything completely fresh it is a very much a hash up of previous spy films free previous spy adventures but just watered down and diluted uh, and made a bit more naff for a kid's audience, the one word, there was a word that came into my head when I was watching Spy Kids. I never watched it back in the day. I watched it for this episode. I didn't know what I was letting myself in for. There was a word that came into my head, and it's a word that I haven't thought of for decades. That word was Nickelodeon. That is essentially <laughs> what I thought when I was watching this. Which was incredibly the, popular at the time. It was at the time, but the production values haven't exactly held up. The scripts were never good. Now, kids watched it because there wasn't really much better for kids at that, but it was a channel dedicated to kids. There wasn't a lot going on at the time. At Spy Kids, I feel, is pretty much the same. The production values are horrendous. I mean horrendous. The CGI and the special effects, especially on the... Uh, the thumb thumbs are they called the the the, the you nin- know they're the ninjas. called the thumb thumbs. I know they. Are. I want to hear you say it. Well, the I'm... ninjas made up of thumbs. What I do remember about the thumb thumbs is they are ninjas made of thumbs, right? Yeah. But I yeah. can't quite remember how that actually looks. They are they they're robots. They so you got a robot body it... and a thumb head, thumb yeah. arms, and thumb, thumb legs. Arms and thumb legs. So they're all they're all th- oh, so they're all thumbs. Is that joking? I'd say yeah, they're yeah, all finger, they're all thumbs. fingers and thumbs, but they're all thumbs. It's like... Yeah. Okay. Like and, a thumb wrestler. They look, I mean, f- forget the concept for a second. They look terrible. The animation on these thumbs is atrocious. I have honestly seen, like, it's. I've seen NSYNC music videos that had better CGI than this. It is honestly diabolical. And it's not just the thumb thumbs. All the CGI, and there is quite a lot of it in this, is diabolical. And I'm not just talking about, oh, it was of its time in 2001. No, even for 2001, this was ropey. Uh, they just really didn't pull out any stops on the CGI at all. I'm just kind of phoned it in, I think. There was no need for it to be this poor. Um, you know, it's, so as far as inventive goes, yeah, maybe you should have been looking a little elsewhere on his project. Uh, it doesn't really matter where you center the film for your audience. You know, is it that Moonraker had, a, had its audience and what have you? That's all well and good, but Moonraker looks like Goldfinger compared to spy kids it really does <laughs> it's, it's i don't i don't see a world in which moonraker could ever look like goldfinger dave though uh, you just wait you just wait till you watch <laughs> spy kids and see what happens it it and it doesn't make it good you know just because you've centered it for a certain audience it doesn't mean you're onto a winner this may well have been made for kids 20 years ago doesn't mean that it still holds up today and you know maybe kids back in the day liked it maybe they like the action and the the bad cgi maybe the kids don't care about bad cgi i know i didn't really care about back in the day but we're not kids we're adults and we're discussing whether this film is any good and ultimately true we are adults and we are adults we are grown men (laughs) we are grown men talking about spy kids (laughs) and it's it's not good alex Just give you a pause for thought, though, isn't it? No, go on, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's a, that's essentially my closing point. You know, it's, you know, I like Gav's flourish, but I will say that um, I think of a flourish, think of a flourish. Um, Spy Kids <laughs> should have been remained under the official Secrets Act. <laughs> no, you know what, Dave? Off the top of your head, because he comes out with these and he doesn't do them every week, so you are I've been there. blindsided by his flourishes as well. <laughs> uh, like, no, no, I, I, I good, good arguments. Um, Robert Rodriguez out of his lane. It's imaginative, but also kind of balanced out by being pretty derivative. A lot of CGI, and it's janky CGI. And uh, yeah, just um, you know, kids today, would it really? What's gonna What's gonna go over with them today, Gav? Is this? Is are they not just gonna take one look at this and go, "What is this? Turn it off." What's going on? No, I mean, you know, what, what are we judging here? Are we judging like how well the CGI holds up of a film that was made over twenty years ago now? Oh, or, do. Yeah. yeah, or are we going to be judging it by how it how it appealed back in the day when it was released? Because we've reviewed a lot of films on here 
that were made around the same time, made a lot earlier, that had pretty fucking poor special effects that have not aged very well at all. But we were able to kind of take a step back and look at the film as a whole package and think about the film as it was released. You know, and, and at the end of the day, Dave is judging this film by 2023 standards as a as a man, as a fully grown man, right? But this was released in 2001 for a young audience. And the thing is, is that Dave said Nickelodeon like it was a bad thing. Nickelodeon was the most popular children's station at the time. And this, yeah, probably was designed in a way to appeal to kids. So it was made a little bit like Nickelodeon or in the vein of. So I think that it would, you know, being a bit Nickelodeon-esque isn't actually a bad thing because it appealed to kids at the time. Like, I'm not going to condone the special effects i'm not going to say that they're brilliant because you know obviously by today's standards they're not there's some of it's all right some of it's pretty bad i'm not gonna lie but back in 2001 would it have been like that awful probably not i remember watching phantom menace at the time when it was in the cinema and i don't remember thinking jesus this looks awful but obviously when you watch it back 20 years later it really really does look poor so at the time, I don't think it was it was film breakingly bad. And what so are you saying that the CGI is of that level of Phantom Menace? Sort of pretty level? much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the the thing is, uh, it is of that level because he worked with George Lucas, uh, so he got some advice and guidance from George Lucas and his uh, special effects company with regards to creating special effects for the film. And the thing about this, I mean, you can say that the CGI is terrible or whatever, but what is pretty impressive to hear is that a lot of this, well, the whole film itself was independently financed by Robert Rodriguez. And a lot of the filming and the editing, including the special effects, was done in by himself in his own studio, basically that he calls his garage. So he did a lot of this himself. This is, you know, something these days that would be farmed out to a CGI company and would cost millions upon millions. He did it for relatively cheap himself so i think that's pretty impressive that he was able to do all of that and obviously you know he probably didn't have state-of-the-art technology or or cgi equipment or whatever likened to uh you know whatever was big at the time jurassic park or, or whatever looks really good by today's standards any i mean any idea why robert rodriguez would go to such lengths to make spy kids do you know what i mean did he well i mean you know it's you know obviously coming out of his lane i'm just more a question for anyone rather than on the trial but like why what, what was this like a pet project of his like did he desperately want to make i don't know if he desperately wanted to make it but he, ha- he had some ideas about the film when he was when he was a young boy himself so stuff like the fooglies and the thumb thumbs were drawings that he made when he was a child he, right so just, this is something he'd been thinking about for a long time yeah yeah so and and i think that okay. probably he wanted to create a james bond-esque type spy film and maybe he wanted to prove that he wasn't just a one-note director that could just do action or just do horror and the thing is is that i think he proved this you know this was a very successful or popular film at the time and the thing is is that it was for kids and kids really enjoyed it Changing, so yeah, he did change lanes. Dave, I could see you had a point about when we're coming to the CGI. Hmm. Did you want anything you wanted to say about that? It's just a bit of a callback to what Gav was saying before, because he was talking about Phantom Menace. And it's like, oh, is, is it on the same level as that? And it's like, it's much worse. I tell you now, it is much worse. One oh, thing Gav no. was saying before about it, like if, if he described Star Wars to you, or if he described Lord of the Rings to you, you'd think like he was on an acid trip. But it's like, if he explained the more the more outlandish aspects of those films, at least you could ask him afterwards. It's like, oh, does does it look good? Yeah, it looks pretty good, though. With this, it's like he could describe the thumb thumb scene. It's like, do they look good? Nah. Nah, man. <laughs> they don't look good at all. At least with Star Wars, it was decent special effects, not only for its time, but a lot of the space stuff still holds up today. And Lord of the Rings, okay, some of the battle scenes look a little fuzzy these days, but a lot of it has held up. You know, it's uh, this... This wasn't holding up at the time. 2002, this didn't hold up. So, uh, no, I, I object that there's no excuse really for the CGI. And I, I appreciate he did it on the cheap uh, and he saved the studio a lot of money. But this is nice. This is good. But uh, maybe he should have just spent the extra dollar and got some decent CGI in the film. Okay. I mean, I think there's a difference between like doing it yourself and getting some CGI. I mean, you talk about Lord of the Rings there. 
That Gav's would probably a big cost... fan of DIY, you see. Gav, <laughs> this is, yeah, yeah, exactly. Gav doesn't want to get a guy in to do his stairs for him. He wants to do him himself. So he's, he's got a bit of a hero complex with Rodriguez right now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, Dave. Exactly. Why? Why spend the hundreds, one hundred and fifty million on CGI when you can do it yourself for free, uh, or you know, yeah, relatively I can cheap. See that. I can see you literally making like the Avengers films all by yourself. But like, no, I've got it. I've got. It. <laughs> like, I've got it. I can do this. Well, I mean, like it's like yeah, Godzilla minus one, or, or you know, like uh, Gareth Edwards um, with his latest film, The Creator. You know, they, they were talking about individuals who do a lot of their own CGI themselves, which. It turns out to be vastly cheaper than than you know the Avengers type films. You know, talking about Godzilla minus one, that was done for fifteen million, fifteen million dollars, and the special effects in it are incredible. Like creator once again, Gareth uh, um, Gareth Edwards' more, most recent film was done for a fraction of the price because he did it himself. So you know, this stuff is much more common these days. But yeah. back in the day, it, that yeah. wasn't the case, and sure. for him to be able to do all of that on the cheap. It's pretty admirable, really. I'm all for shopping around, but the key phrase there was, and they look incredible. <laughs> Which you cannot, <laughs> yeah, you but cannot say about <laughs> But the thing is, is that and like, also, also... You know... Go on, sorry. Go on. No, I was no, going to no. say there's, there's practical effects as well. And like the Fooglies, uh, Tony Shalhoub basically becomes the real villain. His character's oh, called Million. Oh, it's Tony Shalhoub in it. Oh, yeah. I see. <laughs> yeah, Tony Shalhoub. We come to the point. Brilliant. Okay, fine, Tony Shalhoub is brilliant in this and everything else, and I want some fucking respect put on his name. All right. So on that point, I think this is a nice way to segue into clearly why we're doing Spy Kids. It's nice to finally realize it. Let's go into you know we talked about this the plot, the production of it, and the CGI elements of it. You know that's all great, and that's you know, but really I think you know. For Films like this, especially when it maybe comes to the spy ones and the villains and you know strong characters, does come down, I think, a lot on performances, more than maybe your normal action films. So I think a lot of this does ride on the performances of the actors. So I think I'll go with uh, Gav on this one. Can you just do a brief uh, mm-hmm. thing, just maybe talking about our, our big, you know, I know we got Carly Gugino and Antonio Banderas, but I'm guessing they're sort of supporting roles. You've got the... The kids, you know, it's a pretty big bit part of the title. That doesn't always, that's always, you know, a bit of a, you know, don't work with children and animals, they say. So how does yep. that work out in this film? Really fucking well. <laughs> so oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that note. <laughs> so basically the cast assembled for this is pretty spectacular. You said before, Antonio Banderas, he is truly believable as the suave secret agent. And then you've got Carla Gugino is effortlessly cool and badass as well as as the other secret agent. You've got Alan Cumming, who is gloriously hammy and kooky as his role as Floop, the sort of children's TV presenter slash you think that he's the main villain, but actually he's just being manipulated and he turns out to actually be one of the good guys at the end. He, he helps the Cortez's escape. Then you've got Danny Trejo is playing somewhat against type here because he plays the sort of 007 Q-like character designing all the gadgets. He's as good as he is in this as he is in everything else. You know, you know what you're going to get with him and he's great. Then you've hey, got... Do you want to <laughs> jump in on that? I'd have no objection to that last time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, then you've got Robert Patrick, Terry Hatcher, and obviously the terrific Tony Shalhoub are all tone perfect <laughs> as the real baddies of the film. And they really let loose and they chew the scenery and it is great to watch. You know, they're just having a lot of fun in this kid's movie. Then there's some nice cameos in there from Cheech Marin, Mike Judge, the creator of Beavis and Butthead, and then also George Clooney as the president at the end. You know, this is like a really, really good cast. And they, they all wanted to work for relatively cheap to support Robert Rodriguez, but also to be a part of the film because the script was good. But the, at the end of the day, as you said before, it's the two children who are the real stars of the show here. Alex Vega and Daryl Sabara are brilliant as the Cortez children. They both give very good performances and really bring a lot of energy and fun to the film. But what I think is the best part of this is, is their characters. They're the real standouts here. I think one of the reasons that this film was so popular is that the characters are so believable, likable, and sympathetic. You know, how many times have we seen films like this, like uh, Artemis Fowl or Agent Cody Banks? Or even something like Home Alone, where the kids are written as either these wisecracking scamps 
or essentially small adults, basically. It's like they've been written by adults and they're, they're essentially just being played by children. Here, though, you have characters that are obviously have been written by Robert Rodriguez, but they are just normal, everyday kids. They don't crack jokes. They don't make snappy one-liners. They have insecurities. They fight, tease, and bicker each other, uh, bicker with each other. They the characters are believable and well acted as well. And because of that, we're much more invested in them and the family dynamic. We want to see them succeed. We want to see them be reunited with their parents. And it makes the film much more engaging because of that. And yeah, th th that's it basically. They are the, the main part of this film and they absolutely deliver in spades. Dave, come on. There's just nothing to say to that, is there? Uh, there's, there's a bit. <laughs> I'll give it a good go if you don't mind. Um, okay, so yeah, on paper, this looks like a pretty decent cast. And there are some people I'm not I'm not going to take a pop out here. Danny Trejo, I wish he was in it a bit more. Of course I do. Of course, but he's, do. Of course I do. Of course I do. <laughs> you wish you know, he was I, one of the kids. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just, I want Danny Trejo to be playing like a nine-year-old kid. Like, your, your little brother Danny is here as well. <laughs> he's got the range. <laughs> uh, Danny Trejo is fine. I just wish he was in this a bit more. Cheech Marin. I, I'm not. I'm not going to say a word against Cheech Marin. I thought he was good in this. And you know what? I'm not going to take a pop at Tony Shalhoub either. He's very hey, good Dave, in this. I wouldn't he, believe you if you yeah, took no. a pop at Cheech Marin or Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, you wouldn't it, believe anything you ever said again. Tony so. Shalhoub gets off scot free for me here. He really commits. <laughs> good, he wanted to do stuff. this um, because his, his, he, he had young kids and he hadn't really done many kids' films. So when this one came along and landed on his agent's desk, he was like, "Yeah, you know, I, I, I'd want to be a part of this." And he commits to it. He really does. He gets into the spirit of it. Uh, other good members of this cast, you know, you got Alan Cummings here, who I actually really rate as an actor. I don't know what this was. This was hammy. This was really hammy. Like, I mean, Gav admitted as much, but this was like next level. I'm not quite sure what this was like a deranged, well, an even more deranged Willy Wonka kind of S character. Uh, there wasn't much nuance to this performance at all. Uh, Robert Patrick may as well not have been there, to be honest. This was an absolute waste of Robert Patrick, an actor I adore. What upset, I love it when someone says something in this in this show when yeah. it just really upsets it, and then you, as soon as you laid into Robert Patrick, I could see Gav literally took. Oh, a it's not his fault. It's the, it's the script, right? So it's the script they have wasted. You got Robert Patrick in your film, and you're wasting with this. Terry Hatcher as well may as well not have been there. Antonio Banderas and Carla Gugino, solid actors. I like them both. You know, when they're in this film, you know, there's 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 chemistry between them on screen. I like them. Um, uh, but unfortunately, like you say, they are supporting characters. The film rests on the shoulders of Alexa Vega and Dial Sabara as the, as the two kids. And you know what? They're not bad. They are not bad at all. When they have got to interact with one another, I see what Gav means. It's like, you know what? They've got a good chemistry. You believe they've got this sibling sort of uh, relationship there. It's uh, all very believable. They're pretty good. It falls flat when the kids have to act against CGI. And we're coming back to this one again. Whenever they've got to act against something that isn't there in the room with them, something that's going to be digitally superimposed in the uh, post-production um, sequence, that is when it all starts to fall flat. You know, they're only kids. They've not got the experience of acting alongside green screens or characters that aren't really there. And, you know, they're just kind of dead behind the eyes. <laughs> so they don't really know what to do, how to interact, how to play off nothing. This is hard for adults. Remember, this is 2001. <laughs> green screens now, yeah, yeah. If you speak to anyone who's made a film, chances are they've made a, they've, they've worked in front of a green screen. Uh, back in the day, you know, these, these kids were just at the start of their career. If they'd done anything before, they wouldn't have worked with green screens and they were thrown in at the deep end with this. You know, the scene where they have the boat chase, where they're being chased by the thumb thumbs driving boats. And, you know, obviously there's, there's not actual thumb thumbs driving boats. Yeah. Uh, but also the bit where uh, Junie falls off the practice. front of the boat. The bit where he falls off the front of the boat and he's like clinging on. He's like, help me, Carmen. And she's like reaching out to get him. There's obviously there's very little peril going on there the, and it shows in the kids faces they do their best but this is like robert rodriguez stacked the deck against them here you know they've got to act against nothing because it is it, it's bad cgi being thrown at them left right and center there's not really enough practical effects in this film gav said there were some the only practical effect i spotted was cheech marin's fake fake mustache that's the only <laughs> practical effect i think i saw oh no antonio banderas also has a fake mustache other than that though i i was struggling um so yeah, all in all, it's a good cast on paper. There's some woeful misuse of some of the of some of the members of this cast, and the kids, while pretty good by child actor standards, 
it, the action being so CGI heavy really works against them, as it would any young actor. That's not their fault. I just think Robert Rodriguez should have been a bit more practical in his approach to these sequences. A bit I more Kubrick-esque. You want him to actually <laughs> terrify the living pigs. A bit more Hitchcock-esque. When Hitchcock had kids being attacked by birds, that's the level we need to be at. <laughs> and I was just thinking, Dave, if you, you know, if we had the, if we had that small child to actually being attacked, thinking he was being attacked by sharks, we would have got a yeah. great performance from him. But we would we absolutely <laughs> would. look at the no, kids in no, the no. birds. Look at the kids in the birds. To this day, you see genuine terror in those yeah. kids' eyes. Well, yeah, yeah. I think is it Tippy Hedrick? You can see there's a lot of yeah. terror going on in the. He, he genuinely had her attacked by birds, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of terror going on in that film. Yeah, and... he Hitchcock should probably have been arrested and charged with something yeah, yeah, after that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be to be fair. Coming back to the Spy Kids because there's a whole other show to talk about Hitchcock and uh, and what you should pay for. But um, Gav, uh, you know it does. Dave saying that. A lot of the, the the performances are hammy. I think the fact that Alan Cumming is, you know, is our big, you know, our, our, our big bad guy, and it's, you know, he's hammy. I think the oh. fact that the CGI that does sound, you know, Dave's got a very good point there when he says that we can't, you know, it's very hard to act against CGI these days. To put kids back in a day, like how could they? How can they really? You know, you know, we can laugh about it. Of course, they shouldn't be put in peril, but you should be feeling that in the film mm-hmm. on some level. And really, if they're just CGI and they don't know what they're doing, then do those scenes just sort of fall flat? Are they pointless? I mean, at the end of the day, Alan Cumming is very hammy in it, but that's what he's supposed to do. Dave hit the nail on the head before when he said it's a bit like a Willy Wonka character because that's what Rob Rodriguez envisaged. He is essentially like Willy Wonka. There's a lot of Roald Dahl. There's a lot of Dr. Zeus in this in not just the way it's set, the way, you know, like the... The, the costumes, the scenery, it is very, very similar to something like The Grinch or, you know, like Horton Hears a Who. It's very vibrant, very colourful. And Alan Cumming fits very well in, in that. And the thing is, is that he does have a redemption arc. He starts off, you think that he's the big villain, but actually it's really Tony Shalhoub's minion character. And when he sees his control and throws him in, uh, well, he locks him away in a room, uh, then... Junie rescues him later on and you see the redemption you see like he, he realizes the error of his ways and he apologizes and then he helps the family escape so there is you know like at, at that point he's less of a ham he, he, he act, you know he's less performative he's more human he's more you know uh, bearing his soul basically and with regards to the the children acting against the CGI this is probably one of the first times that a lot of the actors acted against the CGI and the children do as good a job as the as the rest of the uh, the actors to be honest and the thing is is that they would have had something to act opposite they would have had like a, a ball on a stick so it's not like there is absolutely nothing there for them to act against and i think they give a pretty decent performance really i mean yet they might not look like they're in genuine peril at some point so they might not be absolutely terrified with fear but they you know at the end of the day this is a you this is a, a universal film that you know you wouldn't want something like that in a film that's designed to be for any, anybody of any age basically it's fun it's light-hearted and like any sort of scenes like that are done with a sort of little slap a little or a little dash of sort of um slapstick humor or like comedy or you know like uh or comic yeah. book feel to it basically not too much peril yes like, we exactly. don't actually want to think they're going to be thumbed to death or yeah just a little bit of peril yeah all right a little bit of peril right i think i'm ready for some just final wrapping up points so you know if there's anything anyone said that is particularly upset you you really want to go off your chest about spy kids if you really you know deep down in your soul is really you know now's the time to just air it before it, you know it festers so uh dave i'll begin with you uh, nothing has upset me too much, I have to say. Nothing is festering. Uh, I just want to call out one second. When Gavin said Tony Shalhoub's Minion character, his name is Minion, by the way. I just want to point that out. That's not that's not Gav saying that he is, oh, he's, he's the henchman. No, his name is Alexander Minion, just in case you were. That's, yeah. that's on the nose. That's, yeah, isn't it? That's and in that, the nose. That was a subtle no. <laughs> that was another that was another pop at James Bond. Did you clock that? I know that I did. Like Connery wrong Bond. James Bond. He keeps yeah. having a pop at the wrong James Bond. Right. I know, I know. So, but target more, Gav. Okay. 
yeah, that's it's pretty indicative of this film in general. It, it kind of panders to kids a little bit. I think kids have got a little more about them. They can handle a smarter plot than this. It doesn't have to be all, you know, thumb ninjas and, you know, wacky creatures and, you know, a fun house, you know, a bad guy with a fun house. Like, kids can handle a more sophisticated plot than that. They could handle something a little more akin to a James Bond sort of plot, you know, that kind of bad guy, as opposed to this kind of like this Willy Wonka-esque lunatic. So I think it's a bit, it's a bit unfair. I think it panders to kids and I think it is a little on the nose or in the nose, as you say. The performances are fine. It is a waste of what could have been a very good cast, however, having them read this script. The CGI is atrocious. Just try getting past that. I, I challenge you. Um, the production values of this film suffer as a result. Rodriguez is a good director. There is no doubt about it. Um, in this one, though, I think you know, he he went back to his childhood and he had some ideas, you know, when obviously when he was an aspiring filmmaker. And I think maybe they should have stayed in his childhood. Sometimes I think he, he dug a little deep into what he thought was a good idea when he was like 14, 15. And in reality, maybe he should have like drawn a line under that and maybe published it as a book of notes like Tim Burton did later down the line and just stuck with what he knows and stayed in his lane. You know, it's I'm all for experimentation, but only when it pans out, I have to say, only when it's good and we get a decent film as a result of it. This is a poor effort from Robert Rodriguez, and it's not up to his usual standard. You can praise him for trying to do something different, but unfortunately, we need quality to go with it. Stay in your lane and do what you do. Good advice for everyone listening, I think, Dave. Just don't just try. <laughs> just not... don't try ever. It's not just for Robert that. I think, I think everyone can take a lesson from that. <laughs> Whatever aspirations you have, burn them. Burn them. You do. You do what you're doing, and that's what you're doing now. And yeah. This uh, is your life now until you die. Stop yeah. listening to this and get on with it. <laughs> Gav, uh, any more? And you know, if it wants to be slightly more upbeat than Dave's, don't don't worry about it. That that might might keep a few listeners. Carry I mean, on, Robert Gav. Rodriguez, like like our listeners, right, who have aspirations like ventured out of his lane and went into a different lane and found out that he got to his uh, journey much quicker. Uh, and it was a much more pleasant view. Uh, the thing is, is that he tried something different and it worked. You know, this is a very successful and popular film at the time. It spawned two further films and well, let's say two further films directed by Robert Rodriguez. It then went and spawned a few more that we won't talk about, but at the end of the day, this, we're not the target audience here. 2000. Did you, Gav, did you watch any of his films out of interest? Did you see did, any of I those did, films? I did, I did, yes. I worked at the cinema Which when, I think, when three, the 3D came out. So I watched that about like six times. I think I, he edited <laughs> one of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, 30 odd year old bitter men in 2023 are not the target audience for this film. Like, the target audience was children in 2001, who at the time would have appreciated and enjoyed this a hell of a lot, especially because it featured characters who spoke and looked and acted just like them. Dave's saying that we should give kids more credit and we should give them something more sophisticated. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And they've got that, but they've also got this as well. You know, sometimes you just want something silly. You want just some, want something fun. You know, sometimes when I get home from work, I just want to put on a really bad horror film or a really bad action film. I just want to see like John claude Van Damme kick somebody in the face. I know it's not a very good film. I know it's not a very well-acted film, but it's something that I want for that particular moment in time. And kids should have that as well. And this is that film for kids. It's stupid, but it's fun. It's entertaining and it's well-acted as well. The thing is, is that everybody who was involved in this film looked like they were really enjoying making it. And the thing is, is they're not the only ones because as an audience, you can really enjoy it while you're watching it as well, as much in 2023 as you could in 2001. That that is a huge statement, but I'll <laughs> we'll move, we'll move past that. Thank you, everyone. Great points. Well done. Thank everyone. you. Uh, and yeah, a quiz. I think Dave, have you made us a quiz? I have. I have. I was. We were going to do this last week, but the, it would just be me interrogating Gav if we'd done it on Machete. <laughs> so uh, now we've, we've saved it until now, it, and it works. This is a general quiz all about the man of the moment, Mr. Danny Trejo. Uh, so uh, I hope you've all you've all been um, brushing up on your Danny Trejo facts. 
guys. Every yeah. Uh, yeah nope. Every day. You read, you read those biographies I sent you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, eat, I've eaten a lot of tacos, uh, but not his tacos. <laughs> but you're halfway there, but still. <laughs> okay, well, let's start now. So question number one. Best known for the character of Isidore Machete Cortez, if we ignore the Spy Kids TV series the fake Grindhouse trailer, and a certain Snickers advert that aired during the Super Bowl. How many times has Danny Trejo played Machete? So I only want films, feature films. How many times has he played Machete? Um, five? About one. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you were listening before, you know it was at least two, Alex. Yeah, no, I know, but like, I still <laughs> feel like it should be one, so I'm going to stick with one. Um, um I'm going to give Gav the point because he's closest with six. Wow. That is six. Wow. Um, he has appeared in Spy Kids, oh, Spy Kids 2, Planet The Island Terror. of Lost Dreams. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, no, oh, no ignoring no. Grindhouse. Okay. Spy Kids 2, The Island of Lost Dreams, Spy Kids 3D, Game Over, Machete, Spy Kids All the Time in the World, and Machete Kills. So more oh, Spy is... Kids films than Machete films. Yes. Would you believe? Yes. So he is more of a Spy Kids character than he is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Question number two. My personal favorite Danny Trejo movie is Con Air. Mm-hmm. Of which of his co-stars did Trejo describe as a kickboxing badass? Was it A, Nicolas Cage, B, Ving Rhames, C, John Cusack, or D, Dave Chappelle? Oh, I'm going to say one of the unlikely ones. Cage. Uh, D- Dave Chappelle. I've seen Cage when he's doing his uh, high kicks. He's, he can kick high. Okay. Um, you know what? Seeing as it's just the two of you, Let's rule out Nicolas Cage and Dave Chappelle. Let's <laughs> yeah. get to pick again. John Cusack. <laughs> yeah, John Cusack. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, no, uh, I don't know the other one. Bing uh, Rames. Bing Rames. Is it? Bing? Yeah, you should have stuck with John Cusack. That's another point to go. <laughs> it is. It is John Cusack. Uh, Trejo said that John Cusack was trained by Benny the Jet Urquidez, uh, and you'd never suspect that he could break your jaw as he's the nicest guy in the world. So, oh. yeah, a lot of respect for John Cusack there. Uh, question number three. Which reality TV show did Danny Trejo not not make an appearance on earlier this year? This year being 2003, in case anyone listens to this back. Uh, was he not in Iron Chef, Hell's Kitchen, Project Runway, or RuPaul's Drag Race? Um, uh, Project Runway. I would uh, say RuPaul's Drag Race. That's another point for Gav. It was Project Runway. He was a guest judge on both Iron Chef and Hell's Kitchen, and he joined the contestants in an acting challenge on RuPaul's Drag Race. And it I was mean, a I great episode. Qualified. I don't think he's qualified either as a chef or an actor, but let's move on. <laughs> wow. Oh, no, he's, he's very qualified in both. I'll have you know. <laughs> Question number four. This is, kind of, this is kind of one for Gav, which is kind of unfortunate that Gav is leading at this point. Ooh. In 2014... Trejo produced and starred in a little-known direct-to-video movie, Vengeance, co-starring Jason Mewes, 50 Cent, and Donald Logue. And which professional wrestler turned actor? Vengeance. Um, Goldberg. It's not Bill Goldberg. Is it Batista? It is not David Batista. Hulk Hogan. It is not Hulk Hogan. Um... I'm trying to think who else would have... Oh, um, Stone Cold? It is not Stone Cold Steve Wayne Austin. The Rock Johnson. It is not The Rock Johnson. It, if I was to say that uh, this person also developed their own brand of yoga, which has been oh, instrumental man. in helping people... Yeah? <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page. It is Diamond Dallas Page. There we go. I'll give Gav half a point because I had to help a little with that one. <laughs> but uh, yes, <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page is correct. Question number five. In 2007... Trejo appeared in Rob Zombie's remake of the John Carpenter classic Halloween, which British acting legend took on the mantle of Dr. Loomis, originally played by Donald Pleasance? Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> Not Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> uh, it was Malcolm McDowell. It was Malcolm McDowell. That is another point to Gav. Well done. Question number six. Trejo also played an exaggerated version of himself in advertisements for which Tex-Mex food producer best known for their Mexican-inspired seasonings and condiments? Um, uh, Chipotle? No, it was not Chipotle. Mm -hmm. Taco Bell? No, it's not Taco Bell. He was in adverts over here, so it's it's a brand that's big over here. I can't. Yeah. Well, I'm just um, thinking of Mexican paraphernalia. Yeah. Quesadilla. Is uh, not, Sombrero. No. Uh, it's a brand. It's a brand. 
No, uh, no yeah, El no Dorito or something like that. No, it's not El Dorito. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even think that is a brand. Um, no, it was Old El Paso. Fuck. Oh, yeah, I remember yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, You remember you the adverts? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Question number seven. Treo appears in both Desperado and Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Uh, both of these films being part of Robert Rodriguez's Mariachi or Mexico Desperado trilogy, whatever you call it. Um, I've heard it called all three of those things. Playing, But he plays a different character in each. Who is the only other actor to appear in both films but play a different character? Cheech Marin. Oh. Yeah, there's a point to Alex straight out of the gate there. It is indeed Cheech Marin. Well done. Uh, question number eight. Trejo worked with Robert Rodriguez again on From Dust Till Dawn, playing the Titty Twisters vampiric bartender Razor Charlie. Who kills Razor Charlie? I will accept actor or character name. Oh. Quentin Tarantino? It's not Tarantino. Bam. Is it Fred Williamson? It is not Fred Williamson. Um. Oh, Lawrence Olivier. It... <laughs> it's not Lawrence Olivier. Tom Savini. As a point for Gav, it is Tom Savini. Sex Machine, what's he called? Sex Machine, that is yeah. correct. Uh, question number nine. In how many films has Danny Trejo been directed by Robert Rodriguez? Fuck me. Uh, Six. Six. Films. One, two, for eight. I'm going to give Gav the point because he is closest. It is nine. Oh. He has appeared in Desperado, From Dust Till Dawn, Spy Kids, Spy Kids 2, Spy Kids 3D, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Machete, Spy Kids 4, and Machete Kills. Nine. Oh, man. But yeah, very close. Very close. Which one did you forget out of interest, Gav? Spy Kids 4. Spy Kids 4. I didn't think that was the that that did for you before as well. That's know, your, your banana peel at this point. <laughs> Always remember Spy Kids <laughs> and 4. Question number 10. Okay, uh, and final question. Star Wars mega fan Danny Trejo finally got to appear in the Star Wars franchise playing a rancor keeper in which Star Wars installment? Mandalorian. It is not the Mandalorian. Gaff. The Book of Boba Fett. It is the Book of Boba Fett. Well done. That is, yeah, good, good quiz, guys. Very good quiz. You well all done, know man. a little more about Danny Trejo. Uh, that is a, I'm sorry, Alex, that is a comfortable win for Gav. It is. It is. I can't. Fair, I can't lie. He, the man uh, knows his trejo. He pants me there. He pants me there. I mean, <laughs> in many circles, I would be the only person who knows who Danny Trejo is. <laughs> <laughs> but in this circle, I am clearly, I'm clearly the junior partner. You know, you know as much about Danny Trejo as you clearly do about Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> <laughs> I like them both a lot. Um, right. <clears throat> Good trial, guys. Like really, really, really solid arguments on both sides. Like you can't can't fault your passion, your energy, and your logic in a lot of what you said there. Um, just to go into performances, which I do think, to be honest, were a big part of this. I think we all sort of solid were solid on the fact that performances weren't too bad. I think you know maybe the thing that might have let it down was the fact that CGI, uh, you know, was a new thing and kids acting against it would have been a bit of a difficult thing, but. You know, they're not doing it the whole time. And I think the fact that we couldn't say too much against the characters and the fact that the cast is, it's not just a strong cast. It's a very interesting cast. You know, Tony Shalhoub, Carla Gugino, you know, Robert Patrick. This isn't just, oh, this is, you know, star stellar cast. This is an interestingly casted film. So I, I think the fact that performances were good, that just makes me want to watch the film very much. CGI does seem a bit of a... A, a con against it, to be honest. Um, I think Gav made some good arguments saying that, you know, we can, you know, look past it, especially at the time. But, you know, I think watching it now, I think even kids today, probably, I, I get the sense that looking back, they'd be like, what is these these thumb things? And since it does play such a big part of the film, maybe that would, uh, maybe that would break it a little bit. Um, I think when it comes down to is this, the plot just, it, it sort of, you know, made my head spin a little bit at the beginning. It just seems full on bonkers. And I'll just cut to the chase here and say, this is why it's on the hit list for me. It's on the hit list because it is full on bonkers. It, it seems like it's absolutely gone pedal to the metal with the bonkers stuff. And it seems like it's, it does seem like a, a film that kids would really enjoy. 
just because it's so out there and it's so sort of not trying to hold anything back or trying to do. I think a big thing about, you know, when Gav was talking about the kids' characters, they're not trying to be wise cracking adults or something like this. This does seem like Robert Rodriguez just genuinely made and thought about, you know, from when he was a kid, a film that he might have enjoyed watching. And it does seem like a proper kids' film. The performances seem to back that up. The CGI, I do think this, I do think children can be quite forgiving on that sort of stuff. And it just seems that it's so sort of mad and, and out there that I do think, I, I like that about it. I like the fact that it's not trying to sort of keep some sort of street cred or be cool or something like that. Because I always think that kind of, that's quite a big failing of kids' films. This just seems like it's trying to be its own thing. It's doing some mad stuff and it's going absolutely for it. And for that, I think I, uh, I, I appreciate that for a kids' film to do it. I think it's quite rare and that's why it's on the hit list for me. Thank you very much, Alex. Okay, so uh, very well summed up, by the way. Um, genuine opinions. I- I'll go first. I didn't think it was very good. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> but, well, I've just said all of that. Now, I know, but, <laughs> but, that, that, but that's me. You know, I, I think that I would have had a hard time putting this on, on, on the hit list or the shit list, to be honest. It is one of those films that I, looking at it now, 2023, as an adult, it isn't that great. But I was being genuine with a lot of the stuff I was saying. It looks like the cast and crew were having a great time making it. And the characters, especially the two children, are really well written and really, really well acted. Both of them were gave incredible performances, to be honest. And the thing is, is that back in 2001, I can see kids genuinely liking this. So even though I don't like it now, and I may not have liked it in 2001 because I was still watching Jean-Claude Van Damme films where people get their heads kicked in and horror films and whatever, I I think that kids... You, you lost in, at that point. <laughs> yeah. Back in 2001, kids would have liked it also. So yeah, I can definitely see where you're coming from with regards to that judgment. So thanks, Alex. Dave? Um, yeah, I meant a lot of what I said, you know, I mean, I mean, what they say about the cast, a lot of people are wasted. I do think the kids were a bit phased by CGI who wouldn't be, uh, but overall the performances are very good. I didn't like the film, but I think Alex has made the right call Mm -hmm. because you're quite right. Kids back in 2001. Uh, and I think we were just slightly too old for it. You know, we were a couple of years, they missed us by a couple of years, I think back in 2001, but kids back in the day, they really did love Spy Kids. And there's still people who are a bit younger than us who talk about this film with a, a real element of nostalgia. They're kind of like, oh, yeah, Spy Kids is still a bit of a guilty pleasure. It's something they grew up with. And it got, you know, at least four sequels, maybe a few others. Um, mm-hmm. You don't, Franchises don't get that many sequels if they're not making money, if people aren't watching them, if people aren't interested in watching them. This film was a success. And, you know, even though I don't fully get it, it's not meant for me. Even when it was made, it probably wasn't meant for me. Um, you know, I, I watched this for the first time just a couple of nights ago. I'm I'm in my 30s. I am not the target audience for this film. Uh, but I think, that, you know, the, Gav's right. The cast do lean into it. And I think Gav's point is valid when he says that, you know, we like guilty pleasures. We like films that we know full well aren't good films. But sometimes that's what you're in the mood for. You want to watch some hokum unfold on the screen and you know what mm-hmm. kids deserve that as well kids under under no illusion that spy kids is good but they like the the wackiness of it all they like the batshit craziness and it was a huge success and a lot of cr- critics p- picked up on that i remember roger ebert was a big fan of this when it came out <laughs> of course he was. what he genuinely was, he was <laughs> and because even yeah. though he was like it's he's like, i've got no way of following the plot but he was like the kids that are in the screening he was in we're loving it so he's like how can you critique it and say it's not a good film when the target audience love it so you know yeah i think alex has made the right call i don't like the film it's not very good but who cares what i think kids love it thanks dave very well summed up there okay so higher or lower than our previous film on trial which was machete which scored 70 percent and 63 percent critical and audience scores on rotten tomatoes Oh, that is hard. It's I'm tricky. Say slightly, it is a tricky one. I'm going to say slightly higher. Okay. I'm going to say slightly higher for critical because I think a lot of critics, I'm going to go off Roger Ebert here and say yeah, a lot of critics right this, respected yeah. the target audience. Yeah, yeah. I honestly don't know about audience scores because although kids loved it, Kids don't write the Rotten Tomato scores. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's, yeah, yeah. It's parents. Though, yeah, yeah, they do grow up though. Yeah, some of them. But it's just like it's a, a lot of parents 
will have mm-hmm. uh, been dragged to these films. I don't know how well it went down with parents. Yeah, well, you're right. Uh, apart from the critical score, it's massive, 93%. You're wow. kidding. Yeah, yeah, 93 And uh, yeah, you're probably right about the audience score. They're 47%, so not oh, very good. Oh, yeah. disparity. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, uh, yeah, that, that, that's it. Just want to say thank you very much for your argument and your judgment there. Uh, thank you very much to everybody who's listened to this episode. Really do appreciate every single one of you taking the time out to listen to all of our stuff. If you want more Films on Child content, go to filmsontrial.co.uk. You can check us out on any streaming platform, wherever you get your podcasts, and check us out on the socials, at Film Trials on Twitter and Films on Trial on everything else. So we continue our Danny Trejo season in two weeks' time as we put the action classic Heat on trial. But before then, what have we learned? Well, we've learned that Laurence Olivier was definitely not in From Dust Till Dawn or Rob Zombie's Halloween. <laughs> and that Spy Kids is a hit. And we're going to see you in two weeks when we be deep in those ears with heat. Goodbye. I put Spy Kids on for the kids. It's like a Christmas film. And they fucking loved it, man. Really? Absolutely loved it. And I was just thinking, like, what is this dumb shit? And they were absolutely (laughs) loving it. So sorry, Dave. 